morning. We have stuff to talk about, don't we? Usually, these podcasts are recorded ahead of time. This one's being done as close to in real time, I think, as I've pretty much ever done. Um, a couple of apologies. First of all, it is 8.45 a.m. on Sunday morning, and if you've ever been, if you've ever um, had a toddler, if you have kids, if you can remember back to when they were toddlers, 8.45 a.m. in the morning is like sheer destruction time. I mean... The energy level is 11 out of 10 right now, and I had to sneak upstairs into my office and close the door to my wife's behest just to get this podcast recorded. But if in, if in the background, if you hear banging, crashing, screaming, just know if you've never had a toddler, those noises are actually normal signs of a healthy toddler just going full force at 8.45 a.m. So excuse that if there's any background distractions. Um, also, a couple quick personal updates. I am actually going to be in Florida, not this coming week, but the following week. We're going to be there 12th through the 19th, and uh, I will be bringing my podcast equipment with me and hopefully bang out at least one, maybe more than one Florida episodes while I'm there. I'm having lunch with Dan Gray, who is the uh, son of Bill Gray, who is the founder, of course, of Bill Gray's. Dan is mostly retired at this point, works as a consult, uh, a consult, work, I, I know how to speak English on Sunday mornings, right? Two cups of coffee in. Works as a consultant um, for Bill Gray's and the corporation that owns Bill Gray's and Hagedorn's and uh, Tom Walls, etc. So maybe we'll get him on the podcast. I know I'm having lunch with him. Also having lunch with Red Osier while I'm down there. He was on the podcast already. So maybe I'll just try and make that an enjoyable lunch instead of showing up to lunch and sticking microphones in people's faces. But I'll try to come up with some content down there. And I do think I will have an episode uh, a week from today as well, even though I will be fresh into my Florida trip. At that point, I should have recorded something before we left. So, And then one other personal note before we get to the big topic is the new flavor of Guglielmo sauce. Uh, grilled eggplant, cherry tomato, and roasted red bell pepper will be available probably as early as this weekend. We are making it, actually making the first batch on Tuesday. So that would mean it can be released as early as Thursday and hopefully gets into distribution by Friday, which means you could see it on shelves as early as like late Friday. Uh, this one is one where we're having a portion of the proceeds go to Rochester Rotary. This is the 100-year anniversary of Sunshine Camp for Rochester Rotary. And the jar itself has a bunch of information about Sunshine Camp and Rotary on it. So there's that. Um, let's get into the big thing. Boy, you know, at first I was just going to talk a little bit about the shift on my old radio station, Radio 95.1. I was just going to talk a little bit about the shift in the morning and the new, I guess they split middays into two and cut Wee's back by an hour. And I was going to kind of talk about that a bit for a few minutes, talk about what I like about it, what I don't like about it. Uh, who am I? What Does my opinion matter? No, I'm washed up. I'm a hack. You know, I couldn't make it, so... To what extent you want to believe my opinion, I don't know. I will say in my defense, I left radio for me, not to spite radio. Um, I left on my terms. You know, I like to I like to refer to it as I fired them. But um, their poor decision making, honestly, <laughs> led to it. Led to my becoming disenchanted with radio over the years. I just saw a lot of hidden agendas and. Um, untruthfulness, etc., uh, etc., et in some of the decision-making up high. And occasionally, I think that that stuff ekes out and listeners can hear it as well. And I think this week was a good example of that. And we'll get into 
a lot of it. But originally, I was just going to talk a little bit about you know a couple of the moves they made and move on to a regular podcast episode. But then they did the thing they did with the afternoon show, and that news broke, I think, either late Friday or early Saturday. And that really made me mad, what they did there. So let me go back around and start with the morning stuff and then move into the afternoons because I want to spend most of my time on, on that debacle in the afternoon and those decisions because those are the ones that really upset me. But I would say let's start by talking about mornings. The move, from what I understand, is that they put uh, Bill Moran into the morning show as the new producer. Now, before we get into this, let's talk about to what extent am I even qualified to talk about this. So what's going for me? I spent 15 years in radio. What's going against me? I haven't been there in two years. So in two years, I have not been very well connected at all. I go weeks, even months at times where it doesn't even occur to me that I worked in radio. I don't even think about it at all. But then a week like this week comes and it just creeps up on me. I get messages and voicemails and I talk to people on the phone I haven't talked to in forever. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the juices start flowing again and I think about my past career. So you can take it or leave it, what I think. I think I have a little bit of expertise in the area, but I also think I'm very rusty. And also, it's very arguable as to whether or not I'm even proven as having known what I was talking about at any point. I'm just putting that out there. I mean, who the hell am I and what did I accomplish? The answer is nobody and nothing. So take everything you're about to hear with a grain of salt. But here's where I'm at on this. Bill Miranda Mornings, I'm going to go ahead and tell you makes sense. Here's why. It's a chess move. It's the move before the move. This move sets up the next move. The next move is DeTulio and Moran taking over the morning show. Now, you might be thinking, oh, they can't do that. They can't cancel Weeze. They can't. No, 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 they're not canceling Weeze. They will keep Weeze in that chair until he is physically unable to do radio anymore. Weeze has the biggest brand in Rochester radio history. Walk into any bar. This is why I used to I used to love the idea of because people will talk about ratings, ratings, ratings. And I can tell you ratings kind of don't mean shit. And I'll explain what I mean. It was always pretty easy to sell against better ratings when you were selling the Brother Weeze show. How so? I'll give you a good example right now. Walk into anywhere. Let's say you're walking into a bar. You want to sell a bar advertising, but this really works for any business. And you can say, hey, you know, I'd like to sell you advertising on the Brother Wee's show. And they might come back with the objection that, well, from what I understand, the Brother Wee's show's ratings aren't as good as its competitors. Okay? Fair objection, right? Easiest over uh, objection in history to overcome, though. Because in my little fake scenario, you're at a bar. Turn to the patrons. Ask the patrons if they've heard of the personalities from those other radio stations. Name any personality from any of those other radio stations. And those patrons, let's say there's 10 of them, I think you got a good chance five of them have never even heard of who you're talking about. A couple of them maybe have heard that name, but they're not sure where they know it from. And then with the two or three left over, you probably have a fan or two in there, and you probably have one or two who will say, yeah, I don't care for them, right? Now, you turn to those same 10 patrons and you say, do you know Brother Wheeze? 10 out of 10 will say yes. It is a deep-rooted, strong brand. You don't throw that away. They will never throw that away. That's staying there forever or until he's physically unable to do his show anymore. I can tell you that right here, right now, 100% guaranteed. So those of you who are seeing 
that show. Hold on a second. It sounds like there's an army of toddlers and wives coming behind me. Oh, never mind. They passed up. Remember, I'm in my office with my door closed. And uh, I'm, in a, in a, I'm in a prime traffic area in my home. So sorry about any distractions. But I wanted to get this out and get my thoughts out. So those of you who are hearing Wheeze get cut down to 9 a.m. and think, well, this is the beginning of the end for Wheeze, there's a grain of truth to that, but not really. They will never fire Wheeze. No way. It will not happen. It's too strong of a brand, and it's too easy to sell. What they do need, though, is they need a plan for when Wheeze has to move on. And I, I would think, again, everyone is in this situation is hoping that that is years down the road. And it's nothing we have to think about for several years. I think the audience hopes that. I think that radio management hopes that. And I think that all the personalities involved also hope that. So what's the plan here? The plan is to put Bill Moran in the mornings because we need to create what is called a rub. A rub is when you take somebody's popularity and you try as hard as you can to rub that popularity off on somebody else. Now, Weez has done that for many people throughout the years. Many, many people. We need to get that going for Moran because it's obvious with this move that the goal to replace the Brother Weez show is DeTulio and Moran. DeTulio's always been there. He's been a fixture on the Brother Weez show for years. We just got to get Moran over with that audience. Now, let me define that as well, because these are terms you'll hear me use a few times. Rub, over. Over means somebody who is liked, respected, and generally accepted in their role. So you have to be over in order to make it in radio. You need at least, really any radio show needs to be built around somebody who is over with the audience, which when we get to the afternoon show, I'll explain. I believe that's what went wrong there with Earl David Reed is they built a show around somebody who was not over with the audience. So anyway, I can tell you from my experience from a couple of years ago, and again, this is where you have to decide what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe because I'm, I've been gone for two years. Things change. But two years ago and prior to that while I was there, Bill Moran was not exactly loved by the Wee's audience. Now, it wasn't exactly something that we... I mean, we can argue whether it was fair or unfair, but he was perceived by the core Wee's listeners as being somebody who had stabbed Wee's in the back back when Wee's left WCMF. Bill Moran stayed there. He carried on the morning show without Wee's, and I believe that the Wee's audience just always saw it as a shady move by Bill. So... I can tell you as of a few years ago, sitting there running that board, watching the texts and phone calls come through, that what would happen is if Bill Moran came on the show with us, even just for a segment or for two minutes or for an hour or whatever, what have you, uh, we would start to hear from the core listeners, be it texts or emails or even phone calls saying, basically, what's he doing there? You know, it wasn't, he wasn't very well respected by the core. Now... Is that fair or is it unfair? I don't know. You can decide. Did he stab Weez in the back? I don't know. Did he? Did he not? I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. But I will tell you this in his defense, a couple of things in his defense. Number one, if you take a scorecard of what it means to do radio and you assess somebody's talents, take a hundred categories, a hundred things, like picture just a judge's scoring card and you listen to every Rochester radio personality and you say how do they perform on these 100 metrics that were taught in radio school Bill Moran is probably 
actually, I'm going to say it, the best radio personality in Rochester. Really, he is. I mean, on that scorecard, he scores 100 out of 100 on pretty much every metric there is. That man knows what he's doing. Oh, we have a visitor. Hello, Leo. What are you doing, buddy? What do you have, a doggy? What is the name of your dog? Can you come here and say something into this? Hello. What do you think about all this? Can I have it? You want the microphone? Hello, hello. <laughs> all right, let me uh, let me possibly move to a different part of the house. All right, you know what we're gonna do here? Excuse me while I relocate. I'm going all the way to the basement. Okay, so where were we? I was talking about how I actually believe Bill Moran is probably on paper, and I'm talking about. Radio 101, top 100 skills a radio personality needs to have in order to be good at what they do. Bill probably scores better than literally any radio personality in Rochester. So I want to just say that. So he's a great fit there. However, he has that little issue. If you're going to replace Weez with Detulio and Moran one day, again, we're talking about one day, you need to make sure Bill Moran has the ability to get over with that audience and in my experience as of a few years ago he wasn't there yet now the good thing about Detulio Moran and why that show has worked so well and I will credit management for understanding and seeing that and realizing that was a show was you take John Detulio who's essentially a Wheeze Jr. just an absolute raw talent lovable never going to run into anybody who doesn't think the world of John Detulio you take somebody like that who on that same radio assessment that we gave Bill Moran, you know, 100 out of 100 score on, John DeTulio's probably not going to score 100 out of 100. He's a little more of a raw talent, I think. But let's take a look in history at who succeeds. It's raw talent. Brother Wee's also not scoring 100 out of 100 on that assessment. Look where he ended up. John DeTulio loved probably not getting 100 out of 100, right? So... We like those people. Those people are over with the audience. And then you take Moran, you take all Moran's skill set, you couple that with somebody who's over with the audience, and you get yourself a hell of a show, and that's proven itself. I think that show is very popular, and at this point I think we've seen the chess move to set up the final chess move is DeTulio and Moran will take over the Brother Wee show eventually. And again, I think we're all hoping that's months down the road. Now let's talk about what happened where they cut the show down to 9 a.m. I think, and this is the part that... You know, I want to want to tiptoe around a little bit, but I'm just going to say what's true. I don't think any of us are under the impression that Weez is closer to the beginning of his career than the end. I think we all understand Weez is riding off into the sunset. We're watching it happen. It's great. I love that we get to be a part of it. But that being said, you have to have a plan in place. At this point, you have to look at Brother Weez and you have to realize this man will not be around forever. We need to know what our next move is. And when you take a look at 9 a.m. and cutting them down to 9 a.m., it serves a couple of purposes. Number one, it lets you preserve him a little bit more. You take a little bit more. Think of it like a car, right? Our car has a lot of miles on it. We got to try and cut down our driving a bit. I think that's what's going on here with Wheeze is I think they're looking at it and saying, look, let's, let's cut back a little bit. Let's put a little less miles on this car every day in hopes that it'll last us longer. That's one fold. Two fold is... We have this monster personality in Jeremy Newman who is over with the audience. And I praised that. 
because later here, I'm going to say some things about my former management that aren't so flattering, but I praised the Jeremy Newman acquisition because that is a man who is over with the audience. What we need, though, is we need Weez's audience to rub off on him, and we need Newman's audience to rub off on Detulio and Moran. So we're going to butt them up right next to each other and hope for some cross-promotion in there. Newman's listeners fall in love with Detulio Moran. Detulio's listeners fall in love with Jeremy Newman. They are very different listeners. The Wee's audience is, you know, last night's ritzy dinner living in Florida. Newman's audience is hunting and fishing. Excuse me. So, we're hoping for some rub there. Now, Newman got paired with Pete Kennedy. My opinion is Pete Kennedy's probably a placeholder. Uh, just somebody to kind of put with Jeremy until Jeremy gets comfortable doing talk radio. Because that is the one knock. If you're going to have any knock on Jeremy, it's just that he's never done talk radio. So you've got a guy there now who uh, has spent his entire career having music to lean on. So now you're asking him to go in with no safety net, no music. So he needs somebody to talk to, basically. And I think they did this all in haste. I don't think there was a lot of thought on that one. So I think that basically Pete Kennedy was put there as a placeholder, somebody for Jeremy to talk to for a while. Let's get all our other moves down. And then eventually, a little while down the road, we'll let Jeremy build a show as long as that's going well. I think that's the plan there. Now, you can't put, because you're probably also thinking, how does it make any sense to take uh, DeTulio and Moran, make them work in the morning, and then put DeTulio and Moran on uh, again at 11 a.m. and have this weird gap. So it's like they're working from 6 to 9, then again from 11 to 2. How does that make any sense? I'll explain that as well. The point of that is because Jeremy Newman is brand new to that station and because his listening audience is very different than the listening audience on that station right now, if they had done it the other way, if they had had DeTulio and Moran just continue on at 9 a.m. and go till noon, and then you stick that new Newman and Pete Kennedy show on from noon to 2, they would have created what's called a cliff, which I think you can probably figure out what that means. They would have just seen a huge drop-off right at noon. Because that entire audience, that Wee's audience that we're trying to get to rub off onto Tulio Moran, and it has somewhat worked so far, is going to have this huge 180 coming their way at noon. Newman comes on, Pete Kennedy comes on. You probably lose just about everybody, and you, you flush your audience at that point. And that's not what we want. What we want is we want to give those listeners a chance to keep their radios on because they know they love Wee's. They know they love Tulio Moran. They'll give this thing in the middle a shot. And you're hoping over the next course of months and years that you get yourself some sort of rub there and Newman builds an audience, both of the one he brings with him and the one that he accumulates from being new on this station with all new ears. I think it's a great move, quite frankly, the Newman move over to Radio 95.1. Now, let's talk about stuff I don't like. Uh, this afternoon debacle. This is bad. This is really, really bad. And this is the stuff that pisses me off. And this is the stuff that gets my toxic energy running and reminds me of why I became disenchanted in radio to begin with, is because this is an absolutely terrible decision. Okay, so let's go back. Kimberly and Beck, they get fired. Rightfully, absolutely rightfully. They need to be replaced, okay? The replacement is, in my mind, clearly a PR move, because the replacement is what? A black guy on a station where the two white hosts just got fired for being racist. Okay, mm, I see where they were going with that. And you take Earl. <coughs> Sorry, I don't think it's healthy for me to be doing this in my basement. 
I wasn't coughing when we were doing this upstairs, was I? Because I don't have like a finished basement. I've got a very much so not finished basement. <laughs> Actually, I just saw a bunch of, oh my God. So a bunch of clothes just came falling from the ceiling, scared the shit out of me. And I forgot. We have a laundry chute. Okay. Distractions. I'm sorry. So, um, where was I? Afternoon show. They hire Earl. The Earl move was probably done as a PR move, but I think it was a terrible decision. I'll explain why. The reason I think it was a terrible decision is because of some of the other things we've been talking about, and that is being over with the audience. See, the number one most important thing about building a radio show, especially in a market the size of Rochester, is that you have to build it around somebody who is over with the audience. Okay? So let's, again, look at the whole station. We've built the Wheeze show. Why? Wheeze is over. We've built the, 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 uh, the Newman show. Why? Newman is over. We've built Detulio Moran. Why? Detulio is over. Then you take this afternoon show, and you had a chance, a chance, a real shot of keeping the Kimberly and Beck rub because you had Pat McMahon and bringing in somebody else, Megan Carter, who is, you could argue, arguably over with the audience. I think younger audience for sure. But if you bring in what Megan could have brought with younger audience... And also, how about a little perspective here? I mean, where's the female representation on this station? I get that the station skews male, and that they're when it comes to the ratings, they're looking to show that they can pop a bigger male number, and that's how they sell their advertising. But at the same time, representation matters. It needs to be addressed, and it's not addressed on this radio station. The correct move when they fired Kimberly and Beck would have been to center the entire show around Pete, uh, Pete, excuse me, around Pat and Megan equally, they are both the star, very much in the same way Kimberly and Beck were, and then just lock them in a room and give them 18 months to develop. Just get the hell out of their way. But I can tell you my old management didn't have the ability to do that. Instead, what they did is they brought in a third person who they mistakenly thought was over with the audience, but they were wrong. They assumed he had some rub left from his time with Weeze, but he wasn't with Weeze long enough, and he was just flat out not a great radio personality. Earl's a fantastic stand-up comedian. I mean, I trust Billy DeTore more than anyone in the world as far as judgment on comedy. Billy says he's one of the funniest guys in history. I believe Earl's a great stand-up comedian and deserves all the success in the world when it comes to that world, but coming to Rochester and being a live and local radio personality on that station just wasn't it just wasn't the right call, and I think we kind of all knew it right off the bat. That probably should have been the Pat and Megan show, and they probably should have been given a good 18 months to develop. So, it doesn't work. And why doesn't it work? Well, for all the reasons I just told you, they build the show around somebody who's not over with the audience. And speaking of over with the audience, you have to remember, being over with the audience, being the most important thing, does not mean you have to be the best radio personality. Who did I just mention a little while ago? Billy DeTore. Billy, who's probably listening to this. Love you, Billy, and I think you'll agree with everything I'm about to say. Is Billy on paper the world's best radio personality? No. No. I Give him that same assessment on paper. He's not the 100 out of 100. But the audience fucking loves Billy. Why do they love Billy? Because he's over. And you can't manufacture over. Personalities have to get there on their own. 
You have to get there on their own. They have to get there on their own. And the best you can do if you're managing an over-personality is you can put some good personalities around them and hope that some of that rub goes on to them and that they can get themselves over because the rub only goes so far. A little bit of rub gives you a few bonus points, but you got to go out and get yourself over. And how do you do that? You ingratiate yourself with the uh, – ingrati- I can't speak English this morning. You ingratiate yourself with the audience. You become part of that community. You become, you, you become that lifestyle that your audience has, and you become respected within that lifestyle, liked and respected. So, yesterday, I'm at work, and I'm just about to leave. And before I'm about to leave, I go and I spend a few minutes in what I call my secondary office. You might call it the bathroom. What do I do when I'm in the bathroom is I do what you do. <laughs> and I grab my phone and I start scrolling through my social media. And there's nothing really going on on Instagram and Facebook is pretty tame. And then I get to Twitter and I see a couple of tweets. Rachel Barnhart, Will Cleveland. And they're talking about how the Earl David Reed show has been canceled. And there's some new show that's running a test show live right now on the radio. This is like yesterday at maybe 3.45 p.m. Now, I'm about to leave and go home. I've got a 23-minute drive in front of me. I'll be honest with you. My first reaction was excitement. I was like, oh, my God. I can't wait to listen to this. This is great. I'm excited. So I get in the car and I turn it on. Of course, the first thing they're talking about is the uh, Strong Museum uh, Toy Hall of Fame. Which I find kind of funny because it's almost like the the most hack Rochester radio topic there is. It's like if you were to Google, <laughs> if you were to Google, I'm about to do a radio show in Rochester. What should I talk about? You'd get like what what results did you get? You get like garbage plates, toy hall of fame, right? <laughs> so it just seemed very like obvious, but it is what it is. And I'm listening to these guys, and it's clear to me they're pros because they sound very comfortable, very well prepared, you know. I guess one of their names is Rizzo, which I feel like there should be a rule. Only so many Rizzos allowed on the radio in this country at any given time. Seems like every market now has a Rizzo. Rizzo became the new, uh, what was the thing there used to be? Every market used to have like a, what was it, like a Casper or something? Like every market had a Casper for a while. There were like 17 different Caspers. Anyway. I'm in my basement right now. I'm doing this and I'm pacing. And I'm literally, like, breathing kind of heavy because I'm a fat guy and I'm pacing. And it keeps making me cough and it makes me think, this basement's probably got dust fucking everywhere. Jesus, what am I doing to myself right now? So, I listen to this show and I start to get angry because it occurs to me that this show is live. It's live. And these guys are local. They're here. Because if they were to cancel the Earl David Reed show and slot Rover in there or anything else syndicated i would almost understand because it would just be a sign of we give up it would just be like throwing in the flag throwing in the towel and saying look you know we get it uh afternoons we don't know what we're doing we get it we're gonna slot in a uh, a syndicated show here get our average spot rate down and, and that'll make sense let me explain that real quick average spot rate so you got to demand a higher premium for a show like brother Wee's morning drive something like that if you have lower spots later in the day or in the midday or even at night, then you can sell based on average spot rate. 
you sell something called like a 6 a.m. to midnight or a 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. spot. And the uh, advertiser who might balk when they see that it costs $100 a spot to advertise on the Brother Wee show might not when they see that they get an average spot rate of $50 because you're spreading their spots all throughout 6 a.m. to midnight and all of a sudden their average spot rate comes down to 50 bucks and they can understand that a lot more and they like that so now anytime they air a spot during the Brother Wee's show it's a $50 spot instead of a $100 spot because they bought two spots and one of them they're paying $150 for during the Brother Wee's show the other one they're paying $50 for at night they look at that and they say, well, it's an average of $100 or, or vice versa, right? I, I, I'm sorry, my math's all over the place. Say it's a $100 Brother Wee's spot and then they, they throw in a couple $1 spots to run at like 9 o'clock at night. And then they go back to the advertiser and they say, look, you're only paying an average of $50 for every spot. <laughs> and uh, when you air on the Wee show, you're only paying an average of $50 for that. Well, that's because they also aired some of those spots at night, right? So it's an average spot rate. So... Basically, by having some shitty day parts later, you can kind of use that psychologically against your clients to make their average spot rate look lower than it really is. Um, Anyway, so when I noticed that they didn't go syndicated, I got mad because I said, well, they're still showing they're dedicated to this day part, but they've made the same mistake, right? This is my old management. I'm telling you, this is the stuff. They will bang their heads against the wall a thousand times making the same mistake over and over and not understanding the absolute number one rule. What is it? If you're going to build a radio show, you have to build it around somebody who is over with the audience. Radio has changed. There are no more mass audiences looking for something to listen to. Back in the day, you drove to work. A hundred different people listened to the radio on the way to work. You talked to all hundred people when you got to work. What did you listen to? What did they tell you? Probably one of four things. Wheeze, PXY, Wham, NPR. Nowadays, you talk to 100 people when you get to work and ask them what they listen to on the way in, you're going to get damn close to 100 different answers. It's a different world. There's no audience out there that's desperately looking for something to listen to. Everybody has their niche. So bringing in something unfamiliar to me is absolute death. Unfamiliarity is death. You have to give me something that I'm familiar with if you want me to give you a chance. And these guys are completely unfamiliar. As I said before, they sounded like pros. They sounded comfortable. I haven't Googled them yet. I probably should have done that as prep, but I will after this. I'm going to assume that they came from a different market. They did not sound like rookies or beginners, and I've never heard of them, so I know they're not local. So I don't know about that. But the idea of not building a show around somebody who's over is just the first step to doing it again, just failing again. And they just they just don't understand that. They just don't. Now, some of you are citing over and over ratings, ratings, ratings. Ratings are important. I'm not going to say ratings aren't important. Ratings are important. Ratings are what, because you have to remember, our manager in Rochester, even though he's in charge of Rochester, grand scheme of things is basically just middle management for this giant corporation. So what he's being rated on is two things, his sales numbers and the ratings of his radio stations. Mostly his sales numbers, though. Because if his sales numbers are strong, he can kind of explain away the bad ratings and say, well, yeah, you know, I've got this morning show 
the ratings on this morning show aren't fantastic, but look at these sales numbers on that same morning show, and that's because that morning show has a brand that is stronger than any other brand in the mornings. And it actually can kind of supersede the importance of ratings. So ratings, while important, are not as important as sales numbers. And I just don't understand how anybody's going to be able to sell these guys in the afternoon. Nobody's ever heard of them. They're going to be walking in trying to make pitches to these clients they've been pitching brands on forever, pitching you should advertise with Weeze because he's a legend forever. Now all of a sudden these salespeople have to walk in and they have to pitch that you advertise with these two guys no one's ever heard of. It's the opposite pitch they've been making. The whole thing they've been pitching this whole time is never mind the ratings. Don't look at that hand. It's like a magician. Look at this hand. Look at the size of my brands. Don't look at the size of my ratings. Look at the size of my brands. My brands are brilliant. You should advertise here. And it's mostly working. I don't know what their sales numbers are like, but people are making good livings over there. <clears throat> so for those of you who say, well, the old David Reed show ratings sucked. First of all, I don't know if they sucked or not. But second of all, ratings really aren't as important as sales. And what's easy to sell? A personality who is over with the audience. We keep coming back to this over and over, right? Over with the audience. Do not look for the most skilled radio people in the world. Look for people who are over with the audience. There are people in this city, in this market, some of them already in that building, who are over with the audience more than these two new guys they just hired who no one's ever heard of. <sighs> Maybe they'll get over. It's possible. It's possible, but it seems highly unlikely to me. And now let's get to the next thing. The tone deafness of the management over there. They cancel the old David Reed show. They fire two out of the three people on the show. They fire Earl. They fire Megan. They keep Mark. I think Mark works in sales too. I'm not sure. So they fire the black guy and the woman. So on a station that's mostly made up of old white guys, they fire two Two of the only, I want to say three on the whole station, who have any type of a different perspective. They fire the black guy and they fire one of their only two women on the whole station. How in the hell did that get through legal? How in the hell did that get through the brain of any manager? How in the hell is representation and perspective not prioritized in 2022 it just shows i'm telling you guys i've been there i know who's making the decisions they're not people i see is getting panned like crazy on on facebook and on twitter the decision makers are not stupid they don't quote unquote not know what they're doing they're blinded they're blinded look what do men have that is so dangerous. What do we have? Egos. Men have egos. And our ego leads us to think we're right. Our ego teaches us to believe in ourselves because we can't imagine the possibility that we could even potentially be wrong. And so what that leads to is an absolute loss of any objectivity. We go straight subjective. Matters of opinion, art, creative, Things like, what should I do with my radio station? Which shows do the people want to hear? 
There's no ability to be objective on that. Those decisions are made very subjectively. I felt I experienced that quite a bit while I was there. That was extremely frustrating for me, was watching subjective decisions be made left and right when any objective decision would have brought them in a different direction. And then watching those subjective decisions uh, uh, you blow up in their faces over and over. That was the other thing. So we could sit here and we could argue, right? I could say, well, here's examples one, two, and three of things that didn't go well. And if, you know, they were here and arguing me, they'd say, well, here's examples one, two, and three of things that did go well. But I'm here to tell you, they're not stupid. They're not terrible. They're just a little bit blinded. They don't understand that their perspective isn't the only perspective. They don't know how to think outside of the possibility that they don't know more than everybody else. They think they know more than everybody else, and that's the danger. And so they get some right and they get some wrong. And in this case, I got to say, I think they got this one really wrong twice in a row. I'll end it with this, and I stand by it. You have to build a show around a personality who is over with the audience. If you don't, you dramatically decrease the odds that that show will be successful. Take it all with a grain of salt, because I think here's what we know about me. I work in a factory. I make pasta sauce. This is my past life. I don't know what I'm talking about, and maybe even prior to this didn't know what I was talking about. Spent 15 years there. Am I an expert? No. If I was an expert, I'd probably still be there.